Chapter Sixteen of A Knight of the White Cross by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen Festivities. At last, the fleet, headed by the galley to which all the knights had returned, rode towards the port. A gun flashed out from the fort at its entrance and at once those from all the other batteries responded bells pealed out again and a confused roar of cheering broke from the crowds occupying every spot from which a view of the harbour could be obtained the ships in the port were all decked with flags and the front windows and balconies of every house were hung with tapestries and bright curtains as soon as the galley entered the port a state barge flying the flag of the republic advanced to meet her from the wharf as she approached ralph gave orders for the oars to be laid in and the barge was soon alongside the knights had already ranged along the poop and accompanied by ralph and caretto gervais moved to the gangway to receive the visitors at their head was batista fragoso the dogue in his robe of state and following him were a body of the highest nobles of genoa all brilliant in gala costume this my lord duke caretto said is sir gervais tresham a knight commander of our order and the commander of this their galley he has before as you may well believe from his appointment to so honourable a post highly distinguished himself but what he has before accomplished is far surpassed by the brilliant action that he has now achieved he has won a victory that not only reflects the highest honour upon the order but is an inestimable service to italy and has freed her from a corsair fleet that would have been a scourge to her both at sea and to the towns and villages along the coast not only has he with the brave knights under his orders annihilated the corsair fleet burning eleven of their galleys and capturing thirteen others but he has restored to freedom no less than two hundred christian captives among them the cavaliers giacomo da vinci pietro forsi and myself in the name of the republic sir gervais tresham and i may say in that of all italy i thank you most heartily for the splendid service that you have rendered us it would have seemed to me well-nigh incredible that a single galley even if commanded and manned by the most famous knights of your great order should have accomplished so extraordinary a feat still more strange is it that it should have been performed by so young a knight with a crew composed as sir fabricius caretto has told us of knights chosen from among the youngest of the order you have given far more credit to us your highness than we deserve gervais replied three of the ships were indeed captured in fair fight but we caught the rest asleep and massed together as to be incapable of successful resistance and they fell easy victims to the fireships we launched against them any credit that is due to me is shared equally by my sub-commander here sir ralph harcourt and indeed by every knight of my company this doubtless may be so sir gervais the dog said with a slight smile 
but it is to the head that plans rather than to the hand that strikes that such success as you have achieved is due and the credit of this night attack is as the cavalier caretto tells me wholly yours for until you issued your final orders it seemed to him and to the two good knights his companions that there was naught to do but to remain in port and watch this corsair fleet sail away to carry out its work of destruction by this time they had reached the poop of the galley gervaise now called forward the knights one by one and presented them to the dog who expressed to them all the gratitude felt by himself and the whole of the citizens of genoa for the service they had rendered to the republic this ceremony being over the knights broke up their ranks and conversed for a few minutes with those who had come on board with the dog the latter then took his place in the barge with his companions inviting gervaise and ralph to accompany him as the barge left the side of the galley which followed closely behind her the guns again thundered out their welcome and a roar of greeting rose from the inhabitants on landing the party waited until the knights had joined them and then proceeded up the street to the ducal palace amidst enthusiastic cheering from the crowd that lined the road occupied the windows and balconies and even scrambled on the housetops the ladies waving their handkerchiefs and scarves at the palace were assembled all the municipal authorities and the congratulations given on board were here repeated after this there was a great banquet at which gervaise was placed on the right hand of the doge who at the conclusion of the feast called upon the assembled guests to drink to the health of the knights of st john who had saved the commerce and sea-coast of italy from the greatest danger that had menaced them since the days when the northern rovers had desolated the shores of the mediterranean the toast was drunk with enthusiasm and gervaise then replied with a few words of thanks for the honor done to himself and his comrades the party then left the banqueting hall for the great reception rooms where the wives and daughters of all the nobles and principal citizens of genoa were assembled most of the young knights belonging as they did to noble families and accustomed from childhood to courtly ceremonies and festivities were quite at home here caretto his two companions and their six italian comrades speedily introduced them and each was soon surrounded by a group of ladies anxious to hear from his lips the details of the exploits of the galley but how is it that you are all so young sir ralph one of the ladies to whom harcourt had been introduced as the second in command asked him when he had finished his account of the capture of the galleys we heard from those who met you on landing that all your comrades were young but we were filled with surprise when you entered the room for many of them are but lads you may say that all of us are but lads countess i am the oldest of the party and am but little over twenty-two but few of the others are over nineteen they are all professed knights of the order who as you doubtless know come out to rhodes when only sixteen some of course do not join until later 
but I think that all here entered at the earliest age permitted, and almost all had served in two or three voyages in the galleys before they were appointed to the Santa Barbara. The reason why so young a crew was chosen was that our commander was also young. He had done such exceptional service to the order that he was appointed to the command of a galley, and has, as all will allow, well justified the choice. It was because it was deemed inexpedient to place knights many years his senior under his command, and partly, perhaps, to encourage the younger knights by giving them an exceptional opportunity of distinguishing themselves, that the crew was chosen entirely from their ranks. I was selected as second in command, because Gervais and I had been special friends when we came out from England in the same ship, and had before fought side by side against the Muslims. I see that you wear gilded spurs, Sir Ralph, another lady said. You must therefore be a dubbed knight. Yes, I had the good fortune to be knighted by Diabason himself, at the same time that Sir Gervais was also so honored. It was for an affair with the Turkish pirates. It was Gervais who really won the honor, for I had no share in the affair save that of doing my best in the fight. And who could do more? The Countess queried. Gervais could do more, Countess, as was shown in that attack on the Corsairs by means of fire ships. He has a head to plan, and in the case I speak of, a happy thought of his not only saved the lives of ourselves and Sir John Boswell, but indirectly was the means of preventing two of our galleys being captured by Corsairs. Which is Sir Gervais? One of the ladies asked. Ralph smiled. Look round the hall, signoras, and see if any of you can pick him out from the rest of us. The ladies looked round the hall. There are only about twenty here. The rest are in the other rooms. Do not set us to work guessing if he is not in sight, Sir Ralph. Oh, yes, he is in sight. Now do each of you fix on the one you think most accords with your idea of what a knight, brave in action, and wise and prudent in counsel, would be like. The six ladies each fixed on one of the young knights. You are all wrong, said Ralph. How can we choose? The countess said laughingly. When none of them resemble our ideal hero, most of them are pleasant and courtly-looking youths, but as yet there is scarce a vestige of hair on their faces, and one could not fancy any of them as the destroyer of the fleet of corsairs. Do you see the one speaking to the elderly lady in the recess? Yes, she is the wife of Bragoso. You do not mean to say that that lad is the commander of the galley? Why, he looks the youngest of you all. He is between seventeen and eighteen, and there are several others who are no older. Yes, that is Sir Gervais, Knight Commander of the Order of St. John. 
but how can he possibly have served his time as a professed knight he was one of the grand master's pages and his time in that service counted just as it would have done had he entered as a professed knight and at fifteen therefore he stood in the same position as those three or four years older than himself he speaks turkish as well as our own tongue and as i told you we received the accolade at the hands of the grand master a year and a half ago he is now a knight commander and will assuredly one day occupy one of the highest posts in the order you do not speak as if you were jealous sir ralph and yet methinks it cannot be pleasant for you all to have one younger than yourselves placed at your head i do not think there is one of us who so feels ralph said earnestly in the first place he has performed excellent service in the next place even those who did not know him before have felt since we started that he is a born leader then too we regard with pride one who has brought credit upon the youngest members of the order moreover we all owe our post in the galley to the fact that he was chosen for its command it is a difficult position for him to fill but he has managed so that while all obey his orders as cheerfully and willingly as if he were a veteran when off duty we regard him as one of ourselves you are a staunch friend sir ralph i am a staunch friend of sir gervais countess for the more i know of him the more i care for him he well deserves the promotion and honor that have fallen to his share will you bring him across here to us sir ralph i want to talk to this hero of yours and i am sure that my daughter is longing to be introduced to him ralph waited until gervais was disengaged and then brought him across and after introducing him moved away at once leaving gervais to be interrogated by the ladies you must be accustomed to festivities sir gervais for we have just heard that you were one of the grand master's pages i am accustomed to them signora but that is not at all the same thing as liking them the reply was given so earnestly that all the ladies smiled your taste is quite exceptional do you mean to say that you would rather be on board your galley than here it would not be polite gervais said with a laugh if i were to say that i would infinitely rather be on board but indeed i have not like most of my comrades been brought up in court or castle until the day i joined the order we led the lives of exiles my father belonged to the defeated party in england and save for a few months when the cause to which he was attached was triumphant we lived quietly on the estates he had recovered our life being one of care and anxiety so you see i had no training in gaiety and pleasure at rose there are state receptions and religious pageants but a meeting such as this is of course impossible in a convent and since i was eleven years old i think i have only once spoken to a woman so you can well understand signora that i feel awkward in speech and i pray you to make allowance for my ignorance of the language of courtesy such as would naturally be expected in a knight even though belonging to a religious order 
there is not to make allowance for the countess said gently women can appreciate simple truth and are not as men seem to think always yearning for compliments those who are most proficient in turning phrases are not often among those foremost in battle or wisest in counsel i can tell you that we women value deeds far higher than words sir fabricius caretto is a cousin of mine and has this afternoon been speaking so highly of you to me and my young daughter here that i am glad indeed to make your acquaintance how long do you intend to stay in genoa no longer than it will take me to engage men to carry the prizes to rhodes i am afraid that sounds rude he broke off as he noticed a smile on the faces of the ladies not rude said the countess though most knights would have put it differently and said that their duty compelled them to leave as soon as the prizes could be manned but it comes to the same thing of course you will remain the guest of the dog as long as you are here otherwise it would have given us the greatest pleasure to have entertained you my cousin is of course staying with us and you see we all feel a very deep obligation to you he has been so long a slave among the moors that we had almost come to hope death had freed him from his fetters so you may imagine our pleasure when he arrived here so suddenly ten days ago we were expecting that he would remain with us for some time but he says that he must first go back to rhodes after which he will ask for leave and return here we have a banquet to-morrow evening to celebrate his return and earnestly hoped that you would be present but since you say that you do not care for such gaieties we shall if you prefer it be glad if you will come to join us at our family meal at twelve thank you countess i should very greatly prefer it and it will give me real pleasure to come your friend sir ralph harcourt has been telling us how you have destroyed the corsair fleet that has been so alarming us he too is an englishman though he speaks italian well yes he speaks it a great deal better than i do gervais said he is a dear friend of mine and it is indeed chiefly owing to his support and influence that i have been able to manage so pleasantly and well in the command of a body of young knights most of whom are my seniors he tells us that you speak turkish yes i thought that it would be very useful and spent nearly a year in acquiring it the bailiff of my lang being kind enough to relieve me of all other duties i was fortunate enough to find in one of the servants of the auberge a well-educated and widely informed turk who was a very pleasant companion as well as an excellent instructor and i learnt much from him besides his language the knowledge of turkish has already proved to me most useful and was indeed the means by which i obtained both my commandery and my appointment as captain of the galley perhaps you will tell us the story to-morrow that is if it is too long to tell us now it is indeed much too long but if it will interest you i shall be glad to recount it to-morrow the next day gervais went to the palace of the countess de forli she was a widow with no children except claudia the young daughter who had accompanied her to the fete the evening before caretto and four or five relations of the family were the only guests beside himself it was a quiet and sociable meal and served with less ceremony than usual as the countess wished to place gervais as much as possible at his ease during the meal but little was said about the affair with the pirates 
Coretto telling them some of his experiences as a captive. It is well, Claudia, he said, laughing, that you did not see me at the time I was rescued, for I was such a scarecrow that you would never have been able to regard me with due and proper respect afterwards. I was so thin that my bones almost came through my skin. You are thin enough now, cousin, the girl said. I have gained so much weight during the last ten days that I begin to fear that I shall ere long get too fat to buckle on my armor. But bad as the thinness was, it was nothing to the dirt. Moreover, I was coming near to losing my voice. There was nothing for us to talk about in our misery, and often days passed without a word being exchanged between Da Vinci, Forsy, and myself. Do you know I felt almost more thankful for the baths and perfumes than I did for my liberty? I was able at once to enjoy the comfort of the one, while it was some time before I could really assure myself that my slavery was over and that I was a free man again. And now, Sir Gervais, the Countess said when the meal was over, it is your turn. Claudia is longing to hear your story and to know how you came to be in command of a galley. And I am also as anxious, Coretto said. I did not like to ask the question on board the galley, and have been looking forward to learning it when I got to Rhodes. I did indeed ask the two knights who accompanied me on my mission here, but they would only tell me that everyone knew you had performed some very great service to the order, and that it concerned some intended rising among the slaves the details being known to only a few who had been they understood told that it was not to be repeated it was a very simple matter gervais said and although the grand master and council were pleased to take a very favourable view of it it was in fact a question of luck just as it was the surprise of the corsairs there is really no secret about it at least except in roads there it was thought best not to speak of it because the fact that the attempt among the slaves was almost successful might if generally known encourage others to try to escape and perhaps with greater success i told you last night countess that i had only once before in the last six or seven years spoken to a woman and it was on that occasion that the adventure so far as i was concerned had its commencement he then beginning at his visit with ralph harcourt to the greek merchant and his family on the roof of the house recounted the suspicions he had entertained the manner in which they were confirmed and the method by which he had discovered the plot for the rising he was interrupted several times when he attempted to abbreviate the story or to omit some of the details and there were exclamations of surprise at his proposal to personate a turkish prisoner and to share the lot of the slaves in their prison and on the benches of the galley. I had no idea, Sir Gervais, Coretto said, when he had concluded, that you, too, had been a galley slave. I understand now the care you showed to render the lot of the rowers as easy as possible. It was a splendid scheme, and well carried out. Indeed, I no longer wonder that you were appointed to the command of a galley and received a rich commandery in england at the hands of the grand master himself what think you countess did i speak too highly in his favour not one jot cousin 
why sir gervais it seems to me that you have been born two centuries too late and that you should have been a knight-errant instead of being sworn to obey orders and bound to celibacy do you wear no lady's favour in your helm i know that not a few of your order do so as i have said countess i know no ladies who would bestow favours upon me in the second place i am but eighteen and it would be ridiculous for me to think of such matters lastly it seems to me that being vowed to the order i can desire no other mistress claudia who had listened with rapt attention to the story whispered in her mother's ear the latter smiled it seems to me sir gervais she went on that after what you have done for italy there are many fair maidens who would feel it an honour that their colour should be borne by one who has shown himself so valiant a knight you see a gage of this kind does not necessarily mean that there is any deep feeling between the knight who bears it and the lady who bestows it it shows only that she on her part feels it an honour that her gage should be worn by a distinguished knight and on his part that he considers it as somewhat more than a compliment and wears it as a proof of regard on the part of one whose good opinion at least he values it is true that among secular knights it may mean even more than this but it ought not to mean more among knights of an order like yours pledged to devote their lives to a lofty and holy aim my daughter claudia whispers to me that she would deem it an honour indeed if you would wear her token accepting it in the spirit in which i have spoken she is fourteen now and as you know a maid of fourteen here is as old as one of sixteen or seventeen in your country gervase turned to the girl who was standing by her mother's chair looking earnestly at him he had noticed her the evening before she had asked no questions but had listened so intently that he had felt almost embarrassed claudius was a very bright face and yet marked by firmness and strength he turned his eyes again to the countess i never thought of wearing a woman's favour he said but if your daughter will bestow one upon me i shall be proud to wear it and trust that i may carry it unstained i shall feel honoured indeed that one so fair and as i am sure by her face so deserving of all the devotion that a knight of our order can give has thought me worthy of being one of those on whom she could bestow so high a favour with the confidence that it would be ever borne with credit and honour what shall i give him mother claudia asked the countess without a shadow of the embarrassment with which gervase had spoken not a kerchief claudia in the rough work of the knights it could not be kept without spot or stain moreover if i judge sir gervase rightly methinks he would prefer some token that he could wear without exciting attention and remark from his comrades go fetch him any of your jewels you may think fit then i will give him this the girl said and unfastening a thin gold chain she wore round her neck she pulled up a heart-shaped ornament in pink coral set in gold and pearls her mother uttered a low exclamation of dissent i know mother it was your last gift and i prize it far beyond anything i have therefore it is all the more fit to be my token then she turned to gervase and went on without the slightest tremor in her voice or accession of colour in her cheeks 
Sir Gervais Tresham, I bestow upon you this my favor, and shall deem it an honor indeed to know that it is borne by one so brave and worthy. You said that you would be glad to be one of those who bore my favors. You will be more than that, for I vow to you that while you live, no other knight shall wear a favor of mine. Claudia, her mother said disapprovingly, I know what I am saying, mother. I have often wondered why maidens should so carelessly bestow their favors upon every knight who begged for them, and have said to myself that when my time came, I would grant it but once, and only then to one whom I deemed worthy of it in all ways, one in whose loyalty and honor I could trust implicitly, and who would regard it as something sacred, deeming it an honor to wear it, as being the pledge of my trust and esteem. Kneel, Sir Gervais, while I fasten this round your neck. Gervais took out the small brooch that fastened the color of his silken doublet, and then knelt on one knee. The girl fastened the clasp round his neck, and as he rose he hid the heart beneath his doublet, and fastened his collar. Lady Claudia, he said earnestly, I accept your favor in the spirit in which you bestow it. So long as I live I shall prize and value it beyond any honor I may gain, and as I feel it next to my heart, it will ever recall to me that you gave it me as a pledge of your esteem and trust and I will strive to the utmost so to bear myself that I may be worthy of the gift. None of the others spoke while the little ceremony was being performed. Caretto glanced at the countess with an amused smile, but the latter looked grave and somewhat vexed. However, she made an effort to dispel the cloud on her face, and when Gervais ceased speaking, said, This has been a somewhat more serious business than I intended, Sir Gervais but do not think that i regret in any way the course it has taken tis well for a maiden on the threshold of womanhood that she should place before herself a lofty ideal and that she should entertain a warm feeling of friendship for one worthy of it so also it is good for a young knight to know that he has the trust and confidence of a pure and innocent maiden such a knowledge will aid him to be in all ways true to the vows he has taken and to remember always that he is bound to be not only a valiant knight of his order, but a sincere soldier of the cross. Then she went on more lightly. Have you heard, Sir Gervais, that there is a question of making you a noble of Genoa? No, indeed, Gervais replied in great surprise. Such an idea never entered into my thoughts. Nevertheless, I know that it was spoken of last night and although it has not yet been finally settled, and will not be until the council meets this afternoon, I should not tell you if I did not think that it was as good as agreed upon, and I am pleased to be the first to whisper to you that it is intended to bestow upon you an honor that is jealously guarded and seldom granted, even to crowned heads, unless as a token of gratitude for some signal service done to the Republic. I should feel most honored and most grateful, Countess, for so extraordinary a favor, did I feel that I had done any extraordinary action to merit it. There can be no doubt that the destruction of the Corsairs has saved Genoa and all the maritime towns from immense loss by damage to their trade, and by raids that would have been made at various points on the coast, but I cannot see that the mere fact that we have destroyed their fleet merits any marked honor 
they were caught in a trap and half of them burned and this might have been done equally as well by the sardinian fishermen unarmed and without our aid as to the fighting it was of small account the first three craft we captured offered a much stouter resistance and we lost two of our number but in the other affair no knight was killed or even seriously wounded and believe me countess i feel absolutely ashamed at the fuss that is made over it it seems to me that i am a sort of impostor obtaining credit under false pretenses no man is a fair judge of his own actions sir gervase Coretto said a man may believe himself a salon or a roland others may consider him as a fool or an empty braggart and it must be taken that the general opinion of the public is the judgment from which there is no appeal it is not the mob of genoa only who regard the services that you have rendered as extraordinary but it is the opinion of the councillors and authorities of the republic and of those who like myself have borne our share in warfare that not only is the service great but that it is due to the singular ability with which you in command of only a single galley have wholly destroyed or captured the fleet that threatened our commerce as our counsellors therefore our competent judges are unanimous in their opinion that you have deserved the highest honours that genoa can bestow upon you it is useless for you to set up your own opinion to the contrary take the good things that fall to you sir gervase and be thankful it is seldom that men obtain more honours than they deserve while it very often happens that they deserve far more than they obtain fortune has doubtless some share in every man's career but when it is not once but several times that a knight gains special credit for deeds he has performed we may be sure that fortune has less to do with the matter than his personal merits three times have you earned special credit upon the first occasion the grand master no mean judge of conduct and character deemed you worthy of secular knighthood an honour which has not in my memory been bestowed at rhodes upon any young knight on the second you were promoted to the command of a galley though never before has such a command been given to any save knights of long experience and now for the third time the councillors of one of the greatest of italian cities are about to do you honour it is good to be modest sir gervase and it is better to underestimate than to overrate one's own merits but it is not well to carry the feeling to an extreme i am quite sure that in your case your disclaimer is wholly sincere and unaffected but take my advice accept the honours the world may pay you as not undeserved determining only in your mind that if you deem them excessive you will at least do all in your power to show that they are not ill bestowed you will not i trust take my counsel amiss on the contrary sir fabricius gervais said warmly i am really but a boy yet though by good fortune pushed strangely forward and i am glad indeed to receive counsel from a knight of vastly greater experience than myself and in future however much i may be conscious in my own mind that anything i have done is greatly overrated i will at least abstain from protest and now countess i must pray you to excuse me i know that sir ralph harcourt is before this coming down at the dockyard waiting my coming to engage sailors you will come to-morrow at the same time i hope sir gervais as claudia's sworn knight we have now a claim upon you and for the short time that you remain here you must regard this as your home 
although you must necessarily remain the guest of the dog. He is a fine young fellow indeed, Caretto said after Gervais had left. There is no affectation about his modesty, and he really considers that this success he has gained is solely a stroke of good fortune. Of course I have been asking many questions about him of the young knights of his own lang, Harcourt among them. They tell me that he is always in earnest in everything he undertakes. He is without a rival among the younger knights of the convent in his skill in arms, and for strength and activity in all exercises. He seems to care nothing for the ordinary amusements in which they join at Rhodes, and for nine months was scarcely ever seen by those in the Abberge, save when they gathered for meals. So continuously did he work to acquire a perfect command of Turkish. How thoroughly he succeeded is evident from the fact that he was able to live among the galley slaves without exciting any suspicion in their minds that he was other than he pretended to be, a Syrian captive. That he is brave goes without saying, though perhaps no braver than the majority of his companions. The extraordinary thing about him is that although, as he himself says, little more than a boy, he has the coolness to plan, and the head to carry out schemes that would do credit to the most experienced captain. He is already a credit to the order, and should he live will assuredly rise to the highest offices in it, and may even die its grand master. In the stormy times that are coming on, there will be ample opportunities for him still further to distinguish himself and to fulfill the singular promise of his youth. That he possesses great tact, as well as other qualities, is shown by the enthusiasm with which his companions regard him. In no case among those to whom I have spoken have I discerned the smallest jealousy of him. The tact that is needed to stand thus among fifty young knights, almost all his seers in age, will assuredly enable him later on to command the confidence and affectation of older men. When the other guests had left, and Coretto only remained, the countess turned to Claudia. You went too far, Claudia. I was willing when you asked me that you should bestow a favor upon him. Most young knights wear such a favor, which may be a sign of devotion, but which far more frequently is a piece of gallantry. In the case of a knight hospitaller, it can only be the latter. It is, in his case, merely a sign that he has so distinguished himself that some maiden feels a pride that her gift should be carried into battle by him, and on his part that he too is proud of the gift so bestowed by one whose goodwill he prizes. In that way I was willing that you should grant him your favor. But the manner in which you gave it was far more serious than the occasion warranted and your promise to grant no similar favor to another as long as he lived, surprised, and I may almost say shocked me. You are, according to our custom here, considered almost a woman, and had not Sir Gervais belonged to the religious order, and were he of a presuming disposition, he might well have gathered a meaning from your words far beyond what you intended, and have even entertained a presumptuous hope that you were not indifferent to his merits. In the present case, of course, no harm is done. Still, methinks that it would be far better had the words been unspoken. Your cousin here will, I am sure, agree with me. Caretto did not speak, but stood playing with his mustache, 
waiting for Claudia's reply. The girl had stood with downcast eyes while her mother was speaking. I only expressed what I felt, mother, she said after a pause, and I do not think that Sir Gervais Tresham is likely to misunderstand me. It seems to me that never among those whom I have met have I seen one so worthy. No praises can be higher than those with which my cousin has spoken of him. He has rescued him, whom we dearly love, from slavery. He has saved Genoa from great disaster, and many towns and villages from plunder and ruin. I do indeed feel proud that such a knight should wear my gage, and were there no other reason, I should be unwilling that, so long as he carried it, another should possess a similar one from me. I am sure that Sir Gervais will have felt that this was the meaning of my words. I wished him to see that it was not a favor lightly given by a girl who might, a few weeks hence, bestow a similar one upon another, but was a gage seriously given of the honor in which I held him. Very well said, Claudia, Caretto broke in before the countess could reply. I warrant me the young knight will not misunderstand your gift, and that he will prize it highly and carry it nobly. He is not one of those who will boast of a favor and display at all times, and except perhaps to his friend Ralph Harcourt, I will wager he never tells a soul who was its donor. When Claudia shortly afterwards left the room, he said to the countess, Excuse me for breaking in, Agatha, but I felt that it was much better to agree with her, and not to make over much of the matter. She is just of an age to make someone a hero and she could hardly have chosen a better subject for her worship. In the first place, he is a knight of St. John. In the second, he is going away in a few days, perhaps tomorrow, and may never cross her path again. The thought of him will prevent her fancy from straying for a time, and keep her heart whole until you decide on a suitor for her hand. Nevertheless, I would rather that it had not been so, Claudia is not given to change, and this may last long enough to cause trouble when I bring forward the suitor you speak of. Well, in many cases it might be worse, Caretto said philosophically, and then with a smile in answer to her look of inquiry. Knights of the Order have, ere now, obtained release from their vows. Fabricius! the countess exclaimed in a shocked voice yes i know agatha that the child is one of the richest heiresses in italy but for that very reason it needs not that her husband should have wide possessions in all other respects you could wish for no better he will assuredly be a famous knight he is the sort of man to make her perfectly happy and lastly you know i cannot forget that i owe my liberation from slavery to him at any rate agatha as i said before he may never cross her path again, and you may, a year or two hence, find her perfectly amenable to your wishes. End of chapter 16 Read by Peter Strom in Cartagena, Colombia, on January 29, 2019